for joining us today on Open the Word with Circle of Friends. I'm Missy. I'm Beth. I'm Gwen. And I'm Libby. And we are excited to be around the table today. I think we've talked more before we uh, recorded than, <laughs> than we have in a while. <laughs> Sometimes I have to just say, shh, let's get this on, let's get this recorded. But mm. uh, I, th- I think we know where we're going today. If not, I'm sure mm-hmm. the Word of God will direct us in a good place. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gwen, you wanted to take us to Ephesians, I believe. Well, and, and you know, I guess to explain and kind of bridge our conversation before so that people can have a background, we've been talking about the body of Christ and how we put it in boxes. Um, you know, we put it in buildings, we isolate it, we separate it, we, you know, we portion it out. We, um, and I don't know about you guys, but it's been on my heart lately that one day we're going to be in heaven and none of those walls are going to exist. We're just going to be believers who've gotten Jesus right mm-hmm. for eternity. Um, and we're going to be around other believers who have done their walk with God differently in some form or fashion than how we have. Um, and we're going to see clearly what we've missed all along the way, you know? Um, and so it's going to be a very different experience than kind of what it is to do life in a community uh, where there's multiple churches and multiple faith backgrounds and um, and church turf. And sin still right. exists. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and so I guess in the, in the context of that, like just thinking through how we're all made so differently. Um, and that took me to Ephesians chapter two, where it talks about how we are God's masterpiece, um, and how we are created in, in Christ Jesus for good works, which were prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. Um, and I'm, I guess my brain is, my brain is a connector of weird places, but I'm connecting this verse with other verses that talk about how we're not all toes in the body of Christ, Mm -hmm. that we have different roles and we have different purposes and we are not supposed to be all noses because then how would we see, um, you know, and so that passage is coming to mind for me a little bit here too, in that we are supposed to be an eclectic body and yet we are to be one in Christ, that there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, that we are all one in the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ, not the bodies of Christ. There is no plural here in this body. Yeah, We're all working together for his purpose and through his plan. Um, Yeah. Okay. Take it away, (laughs) Miss Gwen. (laughs) So I guess my first question is, how do we create within a community a body of believers that can connect and interconnect underneath church turf, Mm. beyond church turf. Mm. You know, what needs to change that maybe the things that maybe keep us isolated, that keep us drawing those distinctions and withdrawing from other people? You know, are we unifying where we're able to? Um, What does it look like to create believers that are interconnected beyond the walls of church turf? I think that's called relationship. Yeah, I do think it's called relationship. I also think it's how you live your life. Do you isolate yourself to just your church body? And there are people that do. You know, Mm -hmm. I am of this faith or this group or this denomination or this. Mm -hmm. I'm a Christian, but but before I'm a Christian, I'm a this. You know, whatever this is. Yes. Um, When we do that, I do think that we build walls. When we live our life... Okay, may, and maybe, and I'm not saying don't be faithful and loyal to your church and love them, mm-hmm. but every church has its issues. Let's face it. 
every single church has its issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're not going to find a perfect church because there are no perfect people in that church. So it's not right. perfect. And the minute, and I'll just make it personal, the minute Missy walks into a church, it's become imperfect. <laughs> so It was imperfect before you got there, but <laughs> well, okay. But I'm just saying, let's, let's realize that we're part of the Im- imperfection, right? Yeah. Um, and, and this is kind of interesting to me because I've spent a lot of my life not looking for a church, but having a church. I had a pastor. I mean, there was never any question of where I went or how I went or what we did. Uh, you know, in, in pastoral ministry, that, that was the church. Mm-hmm. And in recent years, uh, we've spent a lot of time looking for a church. Church shopping. Yeah. And it's, it's, I've, I've, yeah, my empathy has grown for those, <laughs> those people <laughs> that have struggled with that for more of their life than than I did but but even now which I don't know you guys are our mamas maybe you feel the same way if I had my own little heart's desire I would live on a compound with all my kids houses right mm. right close enough to have the kids run to me you know the grandkids come and are popping in and out of that I mean that oh, wait that, I do <laughs> dang. that's why that is that's my uh vision uh that will never happen and maybe should never happen. But it was true of church, too. I mean, you know, uh, we raised our kids in the church. That was so important. And they were very important to our ministry. And as an adult, you know, we, uh, for a while, we didn't live super close to our kids. Now we live with one of our children and our, uh, uh, with one son and the other son is not far away. And so we've actually checked out churches with them. You know, we've gone to one church, the other church. Now my daughter and her husband are in Indiana, so it's a little harder to, you know, church shop over there, so to speak. But I was just thinking on Sunday uh, in worship and thinking, okay, okay, this is my experience now. This is what's happening now. And I thought of each one of my children, and I could mm-hmm. picture them mm-hmm. where they were in worship. And I felt so connected to them. Mm-hmm. You know, I was so grateful and so thankful that, yeah, of course I wanted to be with them, either with them or them with me, whatever it, whatever it would work. But... More importantly, I was just so grateful that I could picture, you know, my daughter and her kids and her husband leading worship in one place and my son and daughter and all their kids, you know, and their leadership positions in another church and the other son and his family and where they would be in their church. And I almost felt like I was sort of in all places all at the same time. <laughs> it was weird. But or your DNA is. My, you know, my heart was. Let's just put it like that. Maybe that's not so odd, but. But I, th- I think that's the, uh, that's what transcends mm-hmm. the whole. This is our group, and we don't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all wonderful churches. There, there are so many good churches, and there are some that are not so good. But regardless of what church you go to, it's the relationship between the people, and it's actually the relationship between the people that make it a church. Because mm-hmm. either you know, don't talk about the the building of mm-hmm. the church. Don't talk about the denomination or the board or the mm-hmm you know, mm-hmm. community, it's the relationship between the people mm-hmm. that makes the church. Mm-hmm. We are the church. For years, for years, one of the churches we went to, their bulletin never changed. And then they were old fashioned, they had a bulletin. And on the front of it, it was, it was little figures of people. And they literally were on top of each other and they made the form of a church. Mm-hmm. So it was a reminder every week that, hey, it's not the building. Mm-hmm. It's not the name of the church. It's not the denomination. It's it's literally the people that are making up the church, mm-hmm. and that's the body. That's why. And you know, Libby, you me- you mentioned how kind of 
insular we've become, and I, I think this is true, the North American church is very much about North American, mm-hmm. <laughs> about themselves, in terms of thinking about the church. Well, the church is broader than even the English language. Well, or the yes, and I think one of the things that I am, oh, just pondering about all the more is my potential to really westernize mm. or humanize the word of God and my interpretation of it without really sitting with the Father and saying, there's still so much mystery, mm. so much mystery, and so much untapped uh, information in here for me. Now, I'm not saying this for anybody else, but, but I also think that we share similar struggles. And, and it's so great to be able to just come to the table or wherever you are and talk about these things and push back on one another or say, oh, wow, let's dig into that a little bit more. Because when I use the word mystery, I want to be really careful because, boy, the human language can be a <laughs> tricky thing. Mm-hmm. It gets hijacked all the time. Uh, but there is mystery to God. And it's not, it's not some, you know, woo ghost type of weirdness. If there were no mystery to God, we'd be God. We, mm-hmm. we wouldn't need him. And I think it's lovely that he chooses what he reveals to us for whatever purpose he has in that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's, that's kind of where I was coming from. And I had made the comment before we went on air that... We tend to tell people, oh, don't put God in a box. And then we don't realize how much we put God in a box. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it's a bad thing if you don't recognize it and then do something about it. And to recognize it means that you have come to the place where you realize, oh, there's way more about God that I'm not understanding. Mm-hmm than there is that I am understanding. Right. Mm-hmm. As we were talking about that, again, before we went on air, we had quite the lively discussion, <laughs> ladies. Did. But that whole putting God in a box, my mind immediately went to a coffin because mm. that is what it seems Ooh. like happens. Yeah. When we put mm-hmm. God in a box, we, we bring death to relationship, fellowship. Um, you it... it just was a real visual for me and as we're talking about Ephesians 3 I keep thinking of Romans 12 Mm -hmm. and now we're all very familiar Mm -hmm. with Romans 12 1 and 2 and we're all very familiar with verses 14 through 21 but I'm talking about those verses 3 um well actually looking at my bible I'm specifically talking about 3 through 8 uh, but there's also 9 10 11 12 and Mm -hmm. 13 but I'm going to give it to us here. guess we should read the whole thing, but I think we've done that within the last six months. So for, de- for today, on this conversation of the body, I bring you Romans 12, starting with verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. 
having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Verse 9 says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. And contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. What is true hospitality? Hmm. It's not just showing hospitality to the people that are in that building with me, right? Or in that family with me. It's opening the doors and inviting others. That's hospitality. But I do fear that our denominational boundaries have kept us from showing hospitality. Um, You know what, Beth? And I'll take it even a little bit beyond that. I would say not only denominational boundaries, but secondary issues of doctrine. Ooh, you know, yeah. like when you if you if you talk about are you a post millennialist, a pre millennialist, an old age earther, a new age earther? I don't mean new age, but you know the age of the earth. These are things that have nothing to do with salvation. They are not primary issues, and yet churches and people can become so divided over them. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyway, that's yeah. my thinking. Well, you forgot how the amillennialist. <laughs> the amillennialist. Well, I can't the, even say it. The amillennialist. That's the third view of the millennium. Oh, tell me. Yes. It's it's mid-trib. And so those are the people that believe we're out of here halfway through the tribulation. I know. Yeah. It, you know, but it's this is the kind of stuff like, are you Calvinist? Are you Arminianist? Exactly. And then we automatically divide and we're done with you. Yes. And you here's, know, depending on what you said. Here's <laughs> the thing. And Gwen, I'm so glad you brought that up. Because honestly, I didn't know how to feel about any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what stance to take. I didn't know anything. And I remember a pastor saying that someone had come up to him and said, hey, so are we reformed or what? And the pastor (laughs) said, well, does it matter? (laughs) And then he talked more about it. Mm -hmm. And and that's a very, very simple, simple answer and and explanation. And I'm not saying it is that simple. But a long time ago, I was curious about a lot. And so I just started listening and reading and checking into some of this stuff. And it doesn't mean that I became an expert, not by a long shot. In fact, it's one of those typical, the more you learn, the more you learn that you need to learn. Like, oh my goodness, I know nothing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but what I loved was hearing from people, let's just say reformed uh, or Calvinist, Arminianist, that definitely know why they fall in that category, but they love their brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. in the other category. Mm -hmm. And they have dialogue together. They come to the table and they talk about it. And I think that's one of the things that is so, so crucial Mm 
for us as believers to get that God, let's say that he is the one that is, that, that is formulating all of that stuff for us, for us to sift through. And he really is because he's over it all. He is providential. He's sovereign. He is it. But could it be that all of these things come to, to be in front of us to see how we're going to deal with it? Are we going to cut people off or are we going to invite each other to the table? Is God saying, okay, you've got Calvinism, you've got Arminianism. What are you guys going to do with this? Mm -hmm. I love you both. Mm -hmm. I love you both. Mm -hmm. How are you going to talk to each other and treat each other? And Missy, you've said this before. When we get to heaven, we're probably going to find out that we were wrong about more than, than we were right about. I really believe that's true. And, and what our focus is and what, you know, if we spend all of our time fighting, I don't know. When you were talking, Libby, I had, I had this thought in my mind that maybe God wants to put us in the, you know, the, the sibling fight shirt, you know, where you both have to share the shirt. <laughs> Maybe that's what it's all about. You know, you're on earth to kind of figure out how to get along. So we get to heaven, you, you know, we you, you've at least that. been through boot camp. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What are we going to do? And that's the other thought. What are you going to do with somebody? I don't want anything to do with you. And you live with them forever. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I got to tell you this. Your mansion's <laughs> right next door to me. <laughs> years ago. <laughs> years ago. Okay. I don't know. Okay, listeners, beware. This may be an example you don't want to follow. But anyway, here it comes. Years ago, I was in a church with a woman who clearly did not like me. Now, she may have had her reasons. I mean, I'm okay with that. I know there's much that's unlikable about this person. Um, but I remember thinking... Excuse me. <laughs> We're all sitting here shaking our heads no. But okay, you remember thinking. Okay, so the pastor was taking us through Habakkuk. Man, this was so long ago, but I remember this. And it talks about, you know, sitting under the fig tree and how it's going to be and all this beauty. And I just said, oh, Lord, I want my fig tree to be right next to hers. <laughs> I don't know. And that's the beauty. That's why we sit here and shake our head no as we look at Libby, because this is what we know about Libby. Yeah. You don't have to like her. She's still going to be kind to you. She's still going to talk with you. She's still going to ask questions. And so for me, follow me as I follow Christ. Yeah, it's one. You brought me into conversation even when you didn't agree with me, Libby decades ago you I see you doing the same for others who are like but what about this well and she just answers <laughs> with so much patience knowledge mm. depth mm. of desire <laughs> to understand now I'm shaking my head oh, but well. Beth I so so appreciate that and and I know here's the thing we all know this that only happens in us as God does his transforming work. Mm -hmm. and, and so, boy, isn't that a humbling thing to think that my faith is given to, be, to me by the measure that God has chosen. Uh -huh. And he is kind of responsible for that. And yet, I mean, I have a work to do, but my work, my obedience is, an, is a result of how much I value God. How my obedience is a direct result of my value of my creator. 
if I don't value him, him. I'm not going to obey him. So it's not me. It's him doing everything in me. But Beth, thank you. I, she always has been one of my biggest cheerleaders, <laughs> whether I deserve it or not. But I will go back to that story because I remember thinking, I hope my, my fig tree is right next to hers because I just want to see what she does with it. <laughs> now, see, that's the ordinary that's the rest. in you that I love it. <laughs> that's the rest of the story. Oh, my goodness. I caught that right away, Libby. Yeah. That was Me too. <laughs> Because I'm right with you. Like, what happens? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. then, you know, I said it earlier. Can we imagine mm-hmm. what heaven is like with no sin? That oh, We can't. And no, and we no cannot wrap chiss. our heads around that. Sorry to use a Mennonite Amishy word, but no chiss, no fuss. <laughs> like, yeah. to, to be able to sit down with believers, and Jesus is right in front of us. You know, all oh. questions are answered. All, you know... Or are getting uh, answered. You know, isn't that beautiful? We have all of eternity to have our learning take place. Yeah. All of eternity. I used to think that, like I would say it after Mike died, oh my goodness, now he's with Jesus and he knows, he knows it all. There's no more mystery. I said that about everything because, you know, we don't really look death square in the face. Suddenly I was looking death square in the face. And then it wasn't long after that till I realized, no, that's probably not the way it works because we have all of eternity. We're not just, we, we are changed in the twinkling of an eye. We are changed and we see Jesus as he is. But that doesn't mean that we know everything. We've got an eternity to learn in a perfect environment with no sin. Mm-hmm. No sin. Gwen, I know you were going to say something. Well, I mean, just even looking at the the thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth, I mean, we are going to get to see perfect judgment lived out, perfect justice, perfect perfect rule, government, law, everything right in front of us. And we're going to be a part of it. We're going to be a part of executing and establishing that on earth for a thousand years. You know, the, the, the beauty of... You know, we've all lived the imperfect, and to be able to see how God intended it to be is going to be phenomenal. I mean, like that, and and the thing is, the nations of the world are going to be in submission to Christ for that thousand years, and immediately at the end of it, Satan's released, and he's going to dilute them all and literally lead them to attack Jesus and all of us. It is that instantaneous. Like, but to look at that and to realize that Satan's influence is going to be removed for that thousand years. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get to see what life would be like, imperfect, but with God on the throne, ruling, reigning from Jerusalem. Like, oh, like, I, it doesn't get much better than that. Like, sorry, that's a little tidbit from studying revelations for the last two years. And, you know, just to get your mind around that, to so, see that we're going to see the answer to that, you know, and, and to see that every division that we've created within ourselves is going to be just stripped away. I don't know. I like, I, yeah. I, I got to take us back to Ephesians 2 on this. Uh, proof right here at the table. For we are his workmanship, mm-hmm. created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I listened to Gwen. I listened to Libby. And I think uh, they're, 
they're the brains of the body. They dig in. They want to know. They and and seriously, I want to know too. But I come back. Um, for me, my quiet time this morning, as I'm sitting before God, I'm just like, so Lord, there is. There's just all this stuff, and I don't even know what to do with it because mm-hmm. I can't wrap my brain around it. I do not understand. I just don't understand. And I sat there in silence, and all I could think of was. But on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. And I pulled out my hymnal. I have a piano that sits in our basement. When our son comes home, he plays it. We recently had it tuned. It's a whole, sounds wonderful. It had been a while. Um, But I actually took my hymnal and I went down to the piano and um, thank you, Mom and Dad, for the piano lessons, because <laughs> I confess that I don't sit at the piano very often these days. But I played through the solid rock. Mm. And and I sang out through tears. Because that's all I got, folks. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. Verse 2 says, When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay when he shall come with trumpet sound oh may i then in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone faultless to stand before the throne on christ the solid rock i stand all other ground is sinking sand all other ground is sinking sand if i don't have that vertical relationship with God, firmly planted on the rock that is Christ and Christ alone. I will not stand. Yeah. I can't get through this storm called life here on earth. And Beth, I just think if you've put it on anything tangible, like the things you can do or what you feel like you bring mm-hmm. to the table then it's already off Christ's focus. And it'll set you right up to fall to comparison, to, you know, separating from others, to judgment, to, you know, just creating those divisions and those boxes that we talked about. Mm -hmm. So, Beth, I love that because you've brought us right back to I was thinking the same thing. In Christ. Yes, yes. In our vertical relationship with God and keeping that pure um, and focused on Christ alone. Yes. And I love the way, Beth, that you brought it back to the body of Christ. Many gifts, many parts, one body. Mm -hmm. And one Savior. One Savior for us all. And when we lose that focus, and Gwen, you brought it out, that's when we start comparing but I wish I had that gift or, oh, but she's so good at that. I want to be good at that. I, and, and we take it upon ourselves. Gwen, you're right. We, the moment we take it upon ourselves and start comparing, 
we have just left God out of the equation and we've put him back in his coffin and which of course is impossible to do but n- this has been wonderful and uh, and I'm just so thankful to be able to sit at this table and we can push back and Gwen I'd love to talk with you about Thousand Year Reign because we may not see eye to eye on that. But isn't this a beautiful, beautiful thing? I have so much to learn. And we learn through the Word of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and being in community with believers. Ladies, I love you. I love the Lord. I love His Word. And I'm so thankful for this time. And listeners, thank you for joining us today in Open the Word. And do that. Open the Word. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd love to hear from you, so find us on Facebook and Instagram at Open the Word Podcast or send us an email to openthewordpodcast at gmail.com. Is it time for you to plan a day trip with your peeps? Come and stay a while at Shia Market in Berlin. There is something for everyone, no matter what your taste or style may be. Visit the Village Gift Barn for your custom floral arrangements and timeless accessories for your home. Stroll upstairs to Shia's Style Boutique for your perfect outfit, everything from accessories to shoes. Be inspired at country gatherings with decor from Modern Farmhouse, to transitional design. Then, meander through the gardens for a large selection of houseplants. And last but not least, order your perfect cup of brew at the Buggy Brew Coffee Company. End your day by gathering to relax in our courtyard. You will leave feeling connected and refreshed.